0: Good evening, everyone. We are so happy and excited that you joined us. And Dory, thank you for joining. This is a great session. We're going to be talking about the importance of effective communication. And as part of our Leadership Fundamental Series, this is episode 11 or segment 11. We've done 10 already, Dory, and uh, this is a critical one. So As we know, communication is fundamental to how we interact with others. And uh, it's a skill that we should all uh, learn and get better at, right? So um, thank you for joining Dory, and uh, I'll hand it over to you and let's get started.
1: I am looking forward to this one. Communication skills are how humans, how people communicate, connect, Build relationship, and that's that's the backbone of life, right? That's what life Absolutely. is about, living to, in community together. So I'll yeah. go ahead and start our slideshow. I'm, let's yes. Slideshow from the beginning and then share my screen. Yes. And let me know if you see it.
0: Yes. Yes. All right.
1: Great. And move on to this one. This is the overarching framework that you've seen. Expanded state is above the line, which is what our goal is to spend more moments in expanded state. Contracted state is what most people spend their moments of their day in. And so communicating Communication skills are, or lack of healthy communication skills are one of the fastest ways to get stuck in contracted state. It feeds the drama triangle, which we talked about from the very beginning of this course. And so that's where communication and feedback skills fits in. Many times people struggle with receiving feedback or giving feedback. And because they don't know a better way they handle it in ways that lead to themselves being in contracted state or the person that they are communicating with around feedback goes into ex- contracted state. And so that's where this fits in. So starting with the the concept of what's the difference between a leader and a manager and managers, like it says on here, they run things they get work done, they manage projects, they they manage details, spreadsheets, the uh, project management software, they direct people and achieve results, set smart goals and, and do follow through. So that's management. Some people think that's also leadership, but in my opinion, it's not leadership leadership is a different skill added to those important functions and that is calling out the potential of others seeing and building it up supporting them and this is where it fits in with maximize you because isn't that that's your tagline with maximize you
0: yes it is yes maximize potential and transform yes,
1: yes. and and so that's why this leadership fundamentals course is here because Leaders, whether we're leading at work or in our nonprofit or our volunteer team or in our family, if we are aware of and calling out potential in those around us, we are a leader, whether you have that formal title or not.
0: And that's a great point. That's a very important point because, Dory, as you may have come across folks, unless they have the manager title or leader title, they think they're not a leader, but that's not true. If you run a household, you're a leader. If you're volunteering at your church or you're you're doing a a, 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 a study, you're a leader. So you don't have to necessarily have the leader title to make it official.
1: Correct. And you could be an individual contributor at your workplace, but operate as a leader. And if you do that at some point, if it's a healthy workplace, they're going to notice that. And and then you, they will put you into those formal leadership roles. There's confusion around that because some people get promoted because they're doing their tactical work really well. And so mm-hmm. and they've been there for a while and a company will move them into a, a managerial role and then expect them to have these leadership traits to develop the other people on the team. And it, it can cannot sometimes it feel like it doesn't fit mm-hmm. yes yes so great leaders as popped up on the bottom have communication skills that build trust and connection so that's if you're operating in that leadership capacity where i'm calling out and i'm building up the potential i see in others that takes Building trust, connection, and having the communication skills that do that. So that's what we're talking about today and how it fits. So, this is, I'm going to give a quick kind of uh, table of contents for this session. These are the building blocks that we're going to talk about. These first two, I'm not spending too much time on open ended versus closed ended questions. That's addressed in a lot of places. Uh, You can look it up, it's pretty intuitive. A closed question is did you make copies of the report for the meeting yes I did no I didn't that's one example of a closed question another one is just quick short answers like where do you want to go for lunch You're not learning much other than where they want to go for lunch. So that goes in the closed ended question category. An open ended question is inviting someone to give you more information, just open endedly. So that would be, where's your favorite place to eat? And when was the last time you ate there? They're going to tell you something beyond just two or three words. If you ask an open ended question like that, and you're learning about the person. Yes. And then the practice curiosity, we had a whole session on curiosity. And Mm -hmm. so that one, if you're going through this, uh, we're not going to revisit it. But having a curious way of being, a curious mindset, a filter for being curious in your interactions, that is a building block of communication. Sal, do you have any examples of open-ended versus closed-ended before I move on? Yeah, I mean, you know.
0: Somebody told me a long time ago, when you really communicate effectively, you should be doing 20% of the talking and the other person should be doing 80%. You should be listening more rather than speaking because when you listen, you're learning, you're going to learn something. If you only speak, actually the the Dalai Lama said this, if you're only speaking, you're only saying what you already know. But if you give the other person a chance to speak and ask relevant questions,
1: then you may learn something new. I like that. What Your example wrapped both of these together, right? Having curiosity, asking questions that invite people to share information, and then listen. And that's what we'll get to here. So tied to the open-ended versus closed-ended questions, go beyond the basics of how are you? How's it going? And and when you meet someone, th- that basic question of what do you do or where do you work? And so we'll, we're going to have some slides on how do you get below but past that to have uh, more informative, trust, potential trust building conversations. And then the piece that you mentioned, that active listening piece, What do, what do I mean by active listening? We're going to talk about that today. We're gonna talk about this concept of candor. So it's popular these days to say, well, I'm gonna speak my truth, right? And that's valuable, speak truth, of course, to be honest, of course, but I prefer the word candor. To me, candor has a little more nuance in the way I use it. Candor is I'm going to speak honestly what is true for me, and have discernment for when to do so and so there's some wisdom involved in it you don't just spout off your truth uh, without having sensitivity with who you're talking to what the situation is and so I think candor has um, is a better concept for leadership and withholding is the opposite of candor so we're going to talk about that today and then radical candor is the framework I'll present on how to handle giving and receiving feedback. Talk about that. And then finally, our final topic will be what to do with gossip. And my recommendation, a strong recommendation is be vigilant to prevent or stop gossip in your in your workplace, on your team, in your family. Yeah. So first, we're going to start with how do you get beyond just the basics? What do you what do you do? So you meet someone new or you're just starting a conversation. Uh, Many times people don't know they're waiting for the other person to start it. And if both people are waiting, (laughs) sometimes it just this awkward silence or it just feels unsatisfying. Um, So here's some I'm not going to read all of these, but this comes from Vanessa. Vanessa Van Edwards and you can go to her website there's a lot of articles they will be there's links for this in the resources for Vanessa's work it's her company's called Science of People and I love her approach she talks about three levels of connection and then she provides these question examples and here's ones when you first meet someone You can pull out one of these to get to know them. These are open-ended questions that will give you a little bit of information about them that's not too personal, but you can then actively listen, and then you can have points of connection that you offer and talk about. So it's interesting, when I first encountered this and was starting to do a lot of networking type events years ago, I actually printed out a small version of this and and had it in my notebook when I that I would take to meetings. And Mm -hmm. before I went into the event, I would just read through this basic level one list. So I would have a couple of go-to questions ready. Because I'm a little more introverted, it's a little harder for my personality to start a conversation. And so that was really helpful for me. And it gave me some training and some practice. And now I have a few go-tos. Sal, do you have a go-to? Intro yeah i just
0: you know i just go i just go with the situation right i mean i i don't really have a list but you know what i kind of tend to follow is be interested before being interesting right that curiosity piece yeah be interested it could be as simple as you know maybe complimenting them on you know what they're wearing or their smile or they look really happy what's going on you know just be genuine I think that's important right you don't want to fake it because then it comes across but if you're truly interested and you focus on the other person it will open up the conversation
1: those are great points. One that you mentioned is comment, give an opinion or a thought on the circumstances,
0: mm-hmm. on the
1: environment, and just see if that invites them to talk with you. Um, so that's a really good one. And the be interested piece—that's uh, a—that's a key concept
0: mm-hmm.
1: because many people feel insecure when they go into a social setting a new environment or maybe a group that you've been with many times. But what one thing that prevents the communication is this insecurity. And, oh my gosh, will anyone want to talk to me? And so that's, that can block the being interested. And so shifting your focus from what can other people do for me? Who will want to talk to me? To who can I t- talk to? Who looks like they would be open to a conversation here? And so having that awareness when you go into a setting is, okay, let me think about what I have to offer here. Mm-hmm. So level two conversations, these questions um, invite a little more revealing and According to Vanessa, and I've played around with some of these, you need, this is not necessarily for a casual new setting. This would be to get to know someone better. So if you have been part of a group or a team for a while, and there's a social time at lunch or a happy hour, these are some questions you could ask your, your team member, your coworker um, and get to know them a little bit better. So that takes connection a little bit deeper beyond what do you do? And then the level three, this is for those relationships. They've already got some connection going, but how do we really get to the level where a friendship builds? So these are friendship, more building questions that Vanessa offers us. And this can be really help people that where conversation skills are, don't come naturally. It wasn't modeled in their family or they freeze in social situations. So if that's a situation for you, I recommend you jot these questions down and just have them in your your back pocket or your notebook and try them out. Any final thoughts on these before we move on, Sal? No, they make a lot of sense, yes. Mm -hmm. So now that people are talking to me, I've got these questions, I'm asking open-ended questions, I'm interested, I'm curious, what do you need to do? Be present and listen, Mm. just like you were talking about. Uh, One thing that trips people up is, oh my gosh, someone's talking to me now. I'm going to have to say something really great in response. So I'm not listening in the moment. I'm not really present. I'm thinking about what can I say that will sound okay? What can I say that won't embarrass me? or What can I say that will sound smart and impress them? That is not being present and listening. Yes. So being mindful of that. Okay. I asked someone a question. Let me actually listen to their answer. And in fact, you don't even have to say anything wise or smart. Really, here's all you need to do in active listening. The first step is just reflect back the feelings that they express or reflect back the content, the message that they're conveying. And so an example of that would be someone comes and they're telling me um, I'm at a startup founder gathering and a startup founder is telling me, I, I ask them, you know, what's what are you most excited about these days? And they start telling me about this amazing. This is a true story. He starts telling me about this amazing Cargo ship that's going to hover above the ocean and go from one side of the ocean to the other at like amazing lightning speed. And he's just, I could see it in his face and hear it. And he's excited, he's passionate. I don't know half the stuff he told me. He got very technical. He's an engineer. I have no idea what all. So I couldn't, I couldn't really comment on the content of his message because I'm not technical, but I could reflect back. Wow. You are so excited about what you've been working on. How did you get interested in this? Yeah. So see, I didn't have to come up with any smart comment. I didn't even have to talk about myself and how I related to a giant ship hovering over the ocean because that's not my thing. But I did continue the conversation by reflecting on the feelings that I picked up on.
0: Absolutely. Yes.
1: Another way to do active listening or some other options to add or do instead is to comment on the nonverbal message you're receiving. So so someone tells you with a flat face how excited they are about the upcoming party. You could you could comment. You're telling me that you're excited, but you don't. You don't look excited. Are you really mm-hmm. excited? You know, that's an active listening. Like I'm paying attention to you, or it could be the opposite. Someone's telling you how wonderful something. Uh, um, yeah, the opposite where the face shows excitement, but they're communicating something they're sad about. You could say, "Oh, are there are other things going on in your life." You could comment on that. Um, yeah. Then, of course, the asking for more detail and that's where what you were saying if it fe- if you feel like they're talking 80% and you're talking 20 most likely it's even in most situations is what the research shows uh-huh. if it feels a little like they're talking a little more it's probably even maybe not but more probably closer to it um, asking for more detail is another way to get to that point where you're drawing the other person out and communicating that you are interested in what they value and what, what they're commenting on.
0: Now what are your thoughts, Dory, about when somebody's talking to you and the other person's on their cell phone, right? Oh. Or they're distracted or they're replying to an email and they're not even, I mean, that is such a big no-no, right? Forget about active listening. They're totally distracted.
1: Right? Oh. <laughs> i've that um, that's a huge barrier yeah. to building trust to building connection to it, it just blocks it and it's not just the cell phone if the people that have the smartwatches yeah i'm in a conversation with someone with a smartwatch and they're they're actively listening they've asked me an open-ended question and while i'm answering they flick their wrist and look at their watch and then look back at me Yeah. It doesn't seem genuine.
0: Yeah. Or also, you know, I've noticed and, you know, like when we go out to eat, there's a family of four. Okay. And the husband and wife and two kids. And nobody's saying a thing to anybody. Each of them is on their own individual phones. And they're not that. That's not communication. That's a breakdown of communication.
1: Right. I agree. Yes, yes. Unless sometimes our family would sit at the table and we would be sending messages to each other. And yeah, that's different. That's, that's different. different. So then yeah. that reminds me not to judge when I see other yes. families doing it. But if it's your family, phones down, phones in exactly. the back, phones on the counter, not at the kitchen table. And and I think employee teams, if you're a leader of a team and you're having a team meeting. Phones go in the center of the the conference table, face yeah. down. Now we can't really ask people to take off their smartwatches. That's that's a little different. But you know, when you do the phones in the middle, we're gonna we're gonna connect and talk and communicate. It sends a message, and so then probably people will be more engaged.
0: You know, there's this old Budweiser commercial which I highly recommend you watch. It's uh. It's a really old one. I think it was in the 80s, but it's so effective, right? There's this lady and she's talking to, I think, her husband. And he's just looking at her, directly at her. But he's actually seeing a football game on the small TV screen right behind her. And he's not saying a word, right? But he's looking directly at her because the screen is at the back. And she's going on telling him all this stuff. And he doesn't say a word. And at the end of it, she she hugs him and says, "You're such an amazing communicator. I I just love how you're so engaged." And 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 the caption is Budweiser. You know. So the point is, he didn't have to say anything. He wasn't even really focusing on what she was saying, but in her opinion, he was listening to what she was saying, and that. Made him an amazing communicator. So, Uh, the, yeah, so, (laughs) you know, I'm not saying that you want to do that, but many times people, they just want to be heard. They're not looking for you to give them a solution or to fix a problem. And sometimes men do tend to do this. They're always wanting to solve the problem but you don't necessarily need to that to do that sometimes people just want to be heard and they just want you to listen to what they have to say
1: oh that's such a good point point. and active listening notice in none of these does it say give your agreement or give your opinion first yes. first you reflect back to communicate to that person I have indeed heard you mm. that's active listening what you described in the commercial is passive listening in my opinion I active agree, listening yeah. means I I'm going to let you know that I heard something you don't have to reflect everything back it's hard to track sometimes <laughs> but you can pick one thing and comment on it or ask for more detail or you know when you talked about the how the the ship like stays over the water when it goes across the ocean like I'm curious how How many, how far above the water is it? You know, you ask for a detail on one part of what they offered, and that, that does the trick. Yes. And then here, active listening takes courage because of what you just described. Many of us have a tendency to speak to the details, to give, the information about here's what I know about the topic you just brought up, or here's how I would fix that if they've given you a description of a problem. And so it takes courage to hold your opinions in and first connect by letting the person know that they have been heard. And so here's another framework for for actively listening. Head, heart, or gut. Gut. So uh, you you could reflect back like what the the head is, the words, the thoughts, the concepts, ask for more details. What are the facts? You could reply to that
0: mm-hmm.
1: or you can reply to the heart. That's the feelings that you've picked up on or the the sensing you might be sensing something's going on or the gut, the intuition, which is the actual message. And many times when people are communicating facts to you, there's an underlying message about a need they have. A need for approval, to, to have it communicated acceptance, or I value you, I see you, I wanna know more about you, That all of that falls under approval. Or their, their reason for communicating to me may be complaining about something because they feel like their life is out of control. And so that's under that need for agency. Oh, you feel like you don't have much control over your life right now. You could comment on that. Or it sounds like, Things are happening to you that that you don't have the ability to influence. So that's a a deeper way of responding to show you're actively listening to the actual message and need or a need for security. There's sometimes I've had someone talk to me about something that's fearful in their life, but really the fear is coming from financial fear. And sometimes I'll comment on that. I'll say, well, these seem like you're you're very fearful about something that it has a small place in your life. Is there something else going on that you feel fearful about? And then they may bring up the the money struggles or I didn't get that promotion or something. Um, so that's ways to actively listen and think about okay, is this a facts? sharing do i want to comment on our heart with the feelings or the gut the underlying needs the message what is that person uh, what would they benefit by knowing that you hear or see or can provide yes and then the final thing about active listening is if it's just one sided for this is for all you introverts out there <laughs> you can't get away uh, maybe with the budweiser commercial yeah. <laughs> It isn't really building trust and connection if you don't offer something. So if all you do is listen and and do some reflecting back on them, and you don't offer something of yourself, providing some self-disclosure, it'll it may start off building trust, but then the trust will erode pretty quickly because they won't feel safe with you. Like I just gave you all this info about me and I know nothing about you. It'll feel too one-sided after a while. And so some people need to practice self-disclosure, which is if someone asks you a question or you've done active listening and now, now the time feels good, offer something about yourself that they can be curious about. And that can take some practice. Think about what what can you say that is interesting enough, that has a little bit of extra information to it, that if they are, are skilled at active listening, they can comment on or ask you for a little more information. And so if you are an introvert, I encourage you to disclose, not in any kind of a breaking your privacy but disclose you know some facts about talk about your pets or talk about where you live or talk about your last trip or your family give them a little bit of information uh, and then see what what they come back with what are your thoughts on self-disclosure yeah I, i think it's important right
0: i i kind of view this as communication is like a dance right both parties need to Uh, Have some footwork and it's a little bit of forward and backwards and sideways. But one person can't do the dance alone. Right. You need both parties. Yeah.
1: Yes. (laughs) Or it's not very fun. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to picture that in my mind. I've heard of another example where it's like a tennis match where the ball goes across the net. And so one person does the talking and hits the ball over to you. And if you don't do active listening or you don't offer anything, the ball just falls on the ground and that's it.
0: Yeah. And you know, Dory, as you know, right, we, we do this uh, program on interviewing skills. Now all this becomes critical when you're in a time bound interview, Mm. because now, you know, you don't want to run out of time that you miss highlighting some of the key reasons why you feel you're the right fit for the role and that's why when you're just in a casual setting this is important but it becomes even more important when you're in a time-bound formal interview setting because I've seen this happen sometimes you get so off track that time is up and you did not even get to say how you're Differentiate yourself from the others, right? So yes,
1: that is such a good point. Yeah. And and so if you're in that situation or connecting has been a struggle for you, just start practicing that regularly. Practice it in safe, safe relationships and then in higher stakes over time. Anytime someone asks you something, answer and add something answer and offer, answer and self-disclose. And if you haven't been doing this before, you might be really surprised with how much better your connections are and conversations are for you. So, all right, let's shift and talk more about candor. So candor is revealing about myself. It's telling what's true about me and revealing thoughts and opinions and feelings about facts of the situation and and not um, a, particularly in a work setting having candor also in family dynamics really anywhere really anywhere the opposite of candor we'll talk about in a minute is withholding um mm. candor is one of the way it's it it is a concept that undergirds communication. I want to share things that do reveal who I am. Not, not in a bear my whole soul to everyone I meet way, but how do I just show up as me? Because if we're showing up to impress, we're trying to say what we think other people want to hear. Then, where that goes in the long term is loneliness. Yes. Because you won't feel seen, you won't feel heard, you won't feel known. And, and many people don't realize that they contribute to that because they're not sharing with candor. And another common word might be authenticity. I prefer yes. candor it has got that discernment piece to it. But if you're not revealing of yourself, at least in some of your relationships, it can take you to a very lonely place. Yeah, and then how
0: do you build trust, right? When you don't, uh-huh. when you're not genuine, and when you're not, you know, you, there's no trust then. And if there's no trust, there's no sustainable, long-term, positive relationship,
1: right? And then if if you're in this course, you have you're either in a leadership role or looking to improve your leadership capabilities, and so practicing candor is important. If you're if you're not used to sharing thoughts, opinions, desires, and feelings. Practice in safe safe relationships already. Introduce this to your person you're going to practice with. Say, I learned about this concept about candor and, and self-disclosing, and I'm going to practice with you. It, it might seem odd, um, and you just kind of introduce it like that, and then you practice doing more feelings talk or doing more opinions kind of disclosure with others. And then you can take it to your workplace. The goal of candor, the goal of sharing your opinions and your feelings and your thoughts is not to change the other person. It is so that you there's potential for connection. There's potential for them to get to know you. So that's why we speak with candor. So people know who you are and what you have to offer in this relationship, in this team, in this situation. Yes. The opposite of candor is withholding. And this definition came out of the book called um, the conscious, the 15. Here's the one. This will be in the this has been on the resource list multiple times for 15 commitments of a conscious leader. So they define withholding as refraining from revealing everything to all relevant parties. And this is particularly troublesome in workplace settings. People don't speak with candor. And here's some common reasons why. Don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. They think it might offend someone. Maybe, but let's consider maybe I do need to speak up. Or don't want to avoid conflict. That's a big one. A lot of people, since they don't have uh, some skills on how to handle conflict well or to, to make conflict lead to connection. They'll just avoid it altogether. Um, A giving up kind of sense. It won't do any good anyway. They just resign themselves to the situation being miserable so that they give themselves an excuse to not speak up. And then if the culture is such that it isn't safe for people to use candor, they're not going to do it. And this, this dynamic of withholding leads to disengagement at work, disengagement on teams, in organizations, disengagement in families. And so I think it's a big part of the problem that's going on in the world, particularly in the last three, four years. This, it doesn't matter why bother and this people pleasing and fear of conflict. Have you seen withholding an issue for you in some of the groups that you're a part of or at work?
0: Yeah, and I think it's also culturally significant, right? Depending on what kind of culture you're from, whether it's an Eastern culture or a Western culture and your upbringing, some people are more forthright and direct and others are a little more indirect. And you've got to really drill in and pick up the the message because they don't want to be confrontational.
1: Yes, and you bring up a great point. The level of candor that will improve a team may be different in different settings. I'm not saying there's a formula and everybody just needs to share all the time, but I'm bringing this up so that the those of you listening will have it in your mind, oh, is there a withholding dynamic that is blocking connection on this group of people And that is blocking collaboration, blocking alignment, which blocks productivity or whatever the results are that you're going after. And if you are the leader, then these concepts are important. You can teach the concept of candor. You can teach the opposite of candor withholding. And you can invite your, your team to not just go from one extreme to the other, but just move forward in more... Standard conversations so that there can be better connection and alignment. So, this is what I was just saying withholding leads to disengagement. When team members disengage, the leader's energy level goes down, there's less relational connection. And so, it, it, for most workplace settings, most team set, settings, and like I said, in families, Withholding is a a common problem that is underneath disengagement if that is an issue prevalent. This section of our talk today is around giving and receiving feedback. And this is very exciting because it can help you not be so scared of conflict when it comes up. Now, there are a lot, there are people that don't mind conflict, like they already see conflict as an opportunity for learning. Let's get everything out in the open so that we can problem solve more effectively and um, And that that can be good if it doesn't fall into this category of aggression here. But this framework can help in that withholding dynamic too. And so you can see this comes from the book called Radical Candor, and that's in the resources list. And they use this axis, the the up-down axis of care personally. So up is high level of care and bottom is a low level of care and then the challenge directly so to the left is I don't challenge I withhold my thoughts and my opinions and my feedback and then on the right side is challenged directly and so let's talk about each one briefly the book goes in depth so if this seems compelling or helpful to you I recommend you go to that resource So manipulative insincerity, that's actually the least common in workplace settings because it typically is identified pretty early and addressed. However, if your owner or the top leader has some insincerity, manipulative um, ways of being from time to time, it could just flow down in the organization. So it's important to know about And that's someone who's focused on their appearance, on how they're perceived by others. They're trying to gain or they're trying to gain political advantage, or they're too tired to care or discuss anymore. They're like extremely disengaged and on their way out, probably, or they're becoming passive aggressive, is what that will start to look like. Um, manipulative insincerity, I think, like it says on here, gain political advantage. It may be what you think of when you think about politicians. They will say things to get your vote, but is that really who they are? Maybe not, some of them. And so that's an example more common in workplaces is that people go to obnoxious aggression or ruinous empathy rather than have a, a culture of candor. And so, obnoxious aggression is what you would guess is someone that um, has thoughts of highly judgmental or critical. They become aggressive. They they power up. They power over someone else. And often, it's it's interesting. The research shows. That obnoxious aggression in, in the way re- feedback is given or received, there's fear up underneath it, fear of failure, fear of overwhelm, fe- some some type of fear dynamic. It typically just looks like anger or bullying, but underneath it, probably that person ha- is fearful about something and that's how they deal with it. So someone who's uh, in the obnoxious aggression category as they're communicating, they're challenging directly. So actually, at least issues are being discussed, uh, but they're not caring personally. They're not thinking about how is my communication landing with the other person? How is it affecting the other person and the team dynamic? How is the way I'm communicating Building connection or or breaking down connection. Now, the research in organizational uh, psychology and and system studies shows that actually obnoxious aggression can be effective in moving forward in projects and towards the business goals. But it leads to many team members disengaging and shutting down and leaving the company and turnover or just misery all around, um, ruinous. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this before I move on?
0: I've seen. Unfortunately, I've had some bosses in my career who have done this, and and you're right. I left the company because of them, right? Because it's 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 miserable to constantly be attacked by somebody like that.
1: Yes, yes. Did you have the ability to give feedback to that person on how they were affecting you? or Yeah, oh yeah,
0: I did, I did. And they didn't... It didn't work? No, it was like, you know, it's like, hey, I'll take any feedback as long as it's positive about me, right? (laughs) That's not feedback. Or... (laughs) Or you you tell the person you know you need to improve your two way communication and they say what do you mean I communicate two ways I uh, I speak to my people and I write to my people.
1: <laughs> <It's> not, not, <laughs> not. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, you know the hard part is that these people in this category obnoxious aggression do get results. And so we can't ignore that. It, it's it's not uncommon. And I'm thinking if more people understand this framework and that there is another way to communicate to challenge directly in this ra- the radical candor quadrant, and we'll get to that soon. What that looks like, um, yeah. I think they if, if this information can get out and shared with teams and go from the leadership down and create a culture, then the obnoxious aggression may decrease. That's my vision for the world.
0: Yes, agree. Let's,
1: let's go on to ruinous empathy. This is actually the most common issue in workplaces that are not communicating and having healthy healthy ways of giving and receiving feedback. So more people shift to this. So they're doing the withholding. They're not challenging directly. They're doing it though- because they care, they're avoiding conflict, they're managing the feelings of others, or so they believe, well, I don't want to upset that employee, or they have very short-term focus. And let me give you an example of this. So if there is an employee on your team that is doing uh, mediocre or not meeting their goals, their the metrics that the team needs them to meet, They're they're not completing it the way it needs to be done. They're not meeting the time schedules and other people are having to wait for them or or do their work for them. If you as the leader don't want to hurt their feelings and don't address the performance issue, it's unlikely to change. And then it most likely will become worse and worse and you'll suddenly need to move them out of that job, whether it's a transfer or to fire them from the organization, and it will come as a great shock. So if you're in the ruinous empathy, you're not challenging people because you feel like you're caring for them. It really isn't. That's a short-term focus. It doesn't give them the feedback they need to grow. And if you're a leader, that's what it's all about, right? calling out helping people to to grow and learn and to move more into their potential and so leaders that try to manage the feelings of others and avoid sharing directly um, it just it's like an illness sets into the team your thoughts around this one have you encountered
0: absolutely yeah you know it If you're not honest and you don't challenge directly, then they're not going to change, right? Because you're not getting to the root of the problem. Now, there's a nice way of saying it, but you still have to put the point across. And I think many times, but particularly when you're new in leadership, you don't want to come across as being too dictatorial or too harsh. You want to be, you know, really slowly but steadily make some changes so people tend to fall into that category in the beginning Um, but you don't need to do that you know I think if you put it across in the right way people will appreciate it
1: yes and a a small small example of this is if I have broccoli in my teeth and nobody tells me we're all operating over there in ruinous empathy. And, and I want to be told. <laughs> I, want to, I want you to care enough and communicate directly. However, well, you brought up a great point. Many people stay in the ruinous empathy area because they don't want to be obnoxiously aggressive. So I'm going to offer another alternative, and it's radical candor. You can care personally and communicate directly. It takes practice. It takes teaching this concept to the whole group, the whole, your whole family, teach this, talk about these concepts. Radical candor is I care about you. So you first communicate care. You've done the active listening. You've asked the open-ended questions. You've self-disclosed so that they can get to know you. You've built this rapport and this trust and this connection with this person. And then you have a platform with which to challenge directly because they trust you. You've built some measure of trust. So radical candor starts with caring personally. So if you're a leader and you have people reporting to you, you start with doing one-on-one conversations regularly. And you're just getting to know people and you build this trust. If you have a new employee added to your team, spend some time in the just get to know you conversations, ask them their goals, ask them where they wanna be working in five to 10 years ask them why they chose this profession ask them if you weren't in this career what else what would you choose to do if it couldn't be this yes. get to know people and then when it, the, if when the time comes to give some feedback that may be hard for them to hear it comes from a place of caring
0: very important yes
1: mm-hmm. so Radical candor is best put into a culture when it comes from the leader. If you're on a team that you know has a lot of ruinous empathy or has got obnoxious aggression, it may be very challenging, even not wise for you to bring in radical candor or try to introduce this, your best option may be to try to find somewhere else or another group to work in. But if you are leading a team, uh, you're in such a great position to introduce these concepts and to practice as a group, because you can say, I'm going to practice radical candor here and, and speak directly, And you can get people's buy-in. Does everyone know what I mean by that? Yes. Or you could have this chart, like could be hanging on the wall or could be, and they actually, if you go to the Radical Candor website, they sell like stickers and mouse pads and things to put up on bulletin boards of their framework to help an organization have a shared language around this so that people can operate in the Radical Candor section. Now, before I move off of it, this is not a personality assessment. Huh. we all do all of these, I, I'm i guessing. We move in and out of these. And so labeling someone as obnoxiously aggressive isn't, isn't helpful. And that's not the purpose of this framework. It's just being able to identify in yourself, where am I operating and identify in others so that you can have awareness. And if you're in the position to, you can make improvements in communication
0: yes it's a great framework
1: all right we're almost finished this is the last piece of communication skills and that is gossip (sighs) defined as any statement about another made by someone with negative intent or any statement about another that the speaker would be unwilling to share in exactly the same way if that person were present. Gossip erodes trust. It blocks connection with the person that hears the gossip coming out of your mouth. And then if it goes around the group, anyone that's exposed to gossip, it it really is like a germ that goes through an organization. Here's some common patterns that keep gossip alive. I feel right. They're in the wrong. I'm in the right. And let me tell someone about this. And there's this like feeling of, ugh confirmation of my rightness. And that touches on <laughs> previous sessions where we've talked about being judgmental and how that that blocks being in expanded state. If we're in a place of judgment, we're down in contracted state. Uh, lacking curiosity, we've been talking about that. That keeps gossip alive. I've made assumptions. I've made interpretations. And I'm not curious about what's going on. And I'm just going to start talking about it. Um, it keeps people in that drama triangle we talked about in the first session of this series. The people who are victim, villain, or hero. If gossip is taking place, you're going to hear words that sound like that drama triangle dynamic, and that is people down in contracted state. And so if you're in a leadership position, stopping gossip can help the people on your team to stop that dynamic keeping them contracted and that can help them. Um, Lack of healthy feelings flow, remember that session about how do I let my feelings flow to completion? So if someone doesn't have the skills for how to deal with their own anger or sadness or frustration, many times their outlet is gossip because it relieves the pent up feelings I don't know what to do with, I'm just gonna give them to you. And you can share in these negative feelings with me so if gossip is something that you've noticed that you tend to do practicing letting feelings flow to completion can can make a difference Um, attention seeking some people just gossip because they get attention for it so in that way by not listening to gossip or excusing yourself out of the conversation when it happens you're you're helping them to break that pattern Um, gossip can create a distraction so if someone's coming to you to give you direct feedback and then you start gossiping about someone else, so you're kind of blame shifting, creating a distraction. Um, and then gossip just avoids conflict. It avoids someone who's wanting to avoid going to someone directly might just talk about them behind their back. So yeah. thoughts about gossip, Sal?
0: It's, it's a It's a parasite. And it can absolutely wreck a team, it can wreck the company culture, and it really needs to be nipped in the bud.
1: Yes. And so common common language around gossip, talk about it as a team. Hey, at, at our one of our topics today in our meeting, we're just going to talk about gossip, not, not pointing fingers, just say, here's what gossip means. And in our organization, I would like us to commit not to gossip and get buy-in and and talk about some of these dynamics, talk about them, not specifically because you notice someone talking about another, but just in general. And then if you keep revisiting that from time to time, your culture will most likely shift and encourage people. If anyone comes to you when you're the leader with some, uh, an issue they're having with someone else, you can, you can politely say, hold on just a minute. Have you talked to them about this before coming to me? Yeah. And you say it with openness, curiosity, not corrected, but openness, you're curious. Have you talked to them before coming to me? And if they say no, then say, okay, I please talk to them in the next day or two. And if things aren't resolved, I'd be happy to get in on the conversation with you too. And so that you do that consistently, people will learn they're not going to get attention and you're not going to jump in and solve the situation for them. And that will encourage them to either figure out how to deal with it on their own, with their own feelings flowing to completion and drop it, or they will go and address it with that person. So we're going to have two closings today. This will look familiar to you. So based on conscious leadership group, here's what gossip looks like in the two states. So an expanded state, I commit to ending gossip, talking directly to people with whom I have a concern and encouraging others to talk directly to people with whom they have a concern. So if you're operating in an expanded state, that's what you do. If you're in contracted state, here's what you are essentially committed to saying things about people you would not be willing to say to them. You're committing to talk about people as if they're (laughs) in ways I wouldn't if they were in the room and you're committing to listening to others when they gossip. That is you operating in contracted state and encouraging others to stay down there with you. So that's all I have to say about gossip. I think it's a big, big toxicity Um, ingredient. So let's wrap up the, the entire seminar series with this. We're revisiting why is this important? If you're a leader in any capacity, whether it's a designated title or not, communication skills are the foundation for trust and connection and helping others to move forward in their lives, make their lives better, their families better, the workplace better. The world better and so here's what expanded state looks like the commitment i commit to saying what is true for me i commit to being a person to whom others can express themselves with candor so that is me asking open-ended questions and actively listening and doing self-disclosure and speaking with radical candor when necessary because i've communicated that i care personally first. If you're in contracted state, you're committed to withholding and manipulating and not listening to others. <laughs> we don't want to be there. Final yeah. thoughts, Sal? No, this is so
0: amazing, Dori. Uh, I would strongly encourage people to really go over this, review it. This is foundational and you can implement it right away. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
1: I really believe that communication skills are so fundamental that if you improve your, your way of talking, asking, listening, it it will change your life. I really believe that. So, and it's something everyone can learn, in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. And you started, you said this is a lifelong learning, and I agree. I'm there's a lot of this, I'm still practicing and getting uh, yeah. And it's
0: not only at work that you need it, you need it at home in your personal life, in your professional life. It it's the common foundation on which everything is built. Yes. Yeah. Well, absolutely so folks thank you for watching we'll have all the slides on the on the resource page as well as the books that we referenced and uh, as you know right it's important we always have to keep improving it's a it's a journey it's not a destination we never arrive but as long as we are becoming a better version of ourselves compared to what we were earlier we're making progress so thank you, Dory, and thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have any questions or watching, send us an email at coach at or check us out at www.maximizeyou.life. Thank you. I will stop the recording now.